Welcome to the second edition of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm the editor and publisher of theweeklydriver.com. The website's been around since 2004. I review new cars and talk about automotive trends. My co-host is Bruce Aldrich, a good friend, a car enthusiast. We've been on many uh, car review trips and automotive shows and done a lot together in the automotive field the last few years together. And we're back for our second episode. Uh, Last week, we had just gotten back from Monterey Auto Week, and we talked about all the great things we did down there and the different shows and auctions. And this week, uh, my idea was to kind of take a look back at our history with cars. And um, I thought we would talk about our family cars and the first cars we've owned and the cars we've owned through the years, and and Bruce and I have one connection in that my first car was a Volkswagen Bug, and and, uh, Bruce has a long history in his family with his father and and mother and sisters about uh, traveling in their early Volkswagen, so I thought that would be a good place to start today, and I'll go first. My first car was a 1962 VW Bug. It was the car of a very close family friend, and I bought it uh, 10 years old. And I bought it for $500, and um, that was the most I ever knew about cars, not being a mechanic. But I, I adjusted the valves, and I changed the oil, and I did the spark plugs, and I replaced this and that. And I thought I was a real hot mechanic, and uh, that was just, you know, saved my nickels and dimes to buy that car. And it was fantastic, and I had it for, for several years. So I think about the first car I had at, at age 16, and and what a treat it was to finally be able to have your own wheels and, and to drive around. So, Bruce, uh, welcome back to the podcast, and, and what's up with you, and what, what about your first cars and your family history with Volkswagen? Good to be here, James. Uh, yes, uh, Volkswagens and my family went back a long way. Like, since I was born, we've had VWs, so I'm, I'm familiar with them. But uh, I put together a car list and my first car, probably my most favorite car on the list here, would be my first car. And it was a Coronet 500 that I paid 500 bucks for. That car was beauty for me because it was a big old, you know, American V8 with a three-speed automatic tranny in it. And my parents only had VWs with, you know, the puny little four-bangers. So I was a hot shot in that with a V8. That was, that was so cool. But I learned to drive on a uh, 59 Bug that my dad bought new in 1959. Our other car was a, I think it was a 58. It was a uh, window van that we traveled across country in. We went all the way to New York World's Fair in 1964 in that thing. My two sisters and mom and dad. And uh, we camped in it. It was a camper van. And that was uh, that was quite a ride. I, re- I still remember standing up in the roof. It had the old slide top hole in the top and uh, I guess you'd call it a sunroof the slide back sunroof and we used to stand on the seat and the three of us kids would be standing up uh, trying to get trucks to honk we'd be doing the old honk arm signal and uh, honking trucks all the way to New York and back did we see a couple of those going back to Monterey Auto Week did we see a couple of those down there we sure did I didn't see any with the slider tops but right. the, I saw one it was a 59 Painted the same color in a whole bit, just That's like right. the car we had. It was uh, quite nostalgic, yes. Now, your first car, did you, did you learn? You mentioned your auto uh, shop teacher. Did you learn how to work on cars on that car? Did you know what you were doing, or did you eventually work on some other cars, or, or just your family car? I know that you, you restored, I think, 
your your dad's car. Well, a little a little of both. Uh, my dad he always worked on the bug, so he was always uh, changing the points and condensers and pulling plugs and uh, adjusting the timing and. Uh, of course, you have to adjust the valves in the VW every 3,000 miles, so yes. you're always underneath those doggone things. So he, he taught me how to do those things, adjust the brakes, bleed the brakes, that type of stuff. But uh, when I got my V8, uh, then it was actually a neighbor who was into, uh, he had an old 56 Chevy that uh, I used to sit around watching him work on his car. He was a hot rod that he had. Well, that's that's great. I mean, I, I've never really been a mechanic. I always admired, you know, growing up, had friends who's whose fathers are mechanics and, and a couple of close friends. I'd watch them, you know, work on their, uh, one friend in particular was into Austin Healy's and another friend was into Volkswagen's. And, and I just, I never got that grasp of um, learning how to do it, but always ad- admired it. My father wasn't a mechanic, but he, he was kind of more of a guy who could look at things and, and figure things out with not really being an expert on, on any one thing other than his, his occupation and, and uh, raising a great family, but not a car expert. So I never really learned it, but I've so always admired people who can go in and, and uh, you know, fix a car, whatever kind of car it is. These days are so different than they were when we were growing up that, you know, you can't you can't open the hood and find the engine anymore. You have to go through a bunch of stuff. But um, back to the cars that we owned, I, I think the first car I can remember from my family was a 1955 uh, Buick, and we lived in New Jersey, and the snow and I used to have to shovel the car out of the snow and it had those portals on the side of the car. I don't know what they exactly were called those big portal vents, the, the, the fake uh, exhaust ports, yeah, yeah. fake exhaust portals. And I think that that was a, a push button gearing on the console. Yeah, those were, and uh, that was, you know, the car would even, even when it was freezing, we could shovel off the snow and, you know, try it a few times that car would start up and it would take us to the grocery store. And so that was the first car family car I can remember. Um, but I, I stuck with Volkswagens for a while after I sold my bug. Um, I had a, a 1966 Carmen Ghia, uh, convertible and it was about the time I was starting to come up from the Bay area to Sacramento. So I take it on the river road, um, the back way from, from the Bay area up to Sacramento on, on, you know, nights with the top down on that river road. And it was just a great experience until unfortunately somebody, uh, vandalized the car and slashed the the rag top and, and took the radio out and destroyed the in, inside of the car. So that was the end of that um, Carmen Ghia. But I really, those cars are, were underappreciated then. And I think people now, if you see a nice Ghia, they're, they're just They're fantastic. pretty cool now. Yeah, yeah. They weren't so cool at the time, I didn't think. But, no, uh, everybody, nobody now they liked are. them. But, so it was fun. That's, that's my Volkswagen experience. But, you know, through the years, I've had some really good, fun cars that were my dad's car that I kind of inherited, a 62 Ford Falcon station wagon with three on the tree. That was kind of a high school car. My my parents had a a, a Corvair, um, kind of the souped up Corvair. What was it called? The, was it called the Monza? GT? Monza was their fast yeah. one. Yes. Yeah, so we had Tur- um, um, GT the, Turbo. Something. Yeah, it was turbocharged. Turbocharged. So you think about. I've often thought if I could have somehow persuaded my dad just to keep one of those cars, even if he didn't drive it, that I would have. You know, not looking back and saying that we had anything wrong as a, as a teenager and as an adult, but to have kept one of those cars would have been really cool from, from your youth. I know you still have um, the, the bug that you drive, and, and um, I've seen the great video you made of, of your family in it, and uh, it's a great memory of your, of your family, particularly your dad, who I know, you know, passed a few years back. But I do remember that one scene that uh, when um, I went to the service with your dad that you 
you showed your dad with his, uh, I think it was his left elbow outside of the car with his elbow on the window, with the window rolled down, and then that's the scene from the video, and they transitioned into you with your elbow. And it was it was a great a great um, great video. That was yeah symbolic, like the the yeah. handoff to me, right? right exactly. I, in in two thousand four, I took over the bug, and uh, the bug is mine now. But that that was the car that my dad bought, and like I say, in fifty nine mm-hmm. here in Sacramento. Um, Back to our list of cars. Yeah, I, I think none of my cars are memorable, and, and none of them should be around anymore. Uh, <laughs> pro- well, except for the '59 Bug. Yes. But uh, after the Cornette, I got a '73 Pinto Squire station wagon. I'd love to have that. Which, which had you know the wooden, the fake wooden sides down it. And then I got a '69 Opel Cadet, but this was the Mini Brute edition, hmm. which had the little fog lights in front and the flat black hood and the little racing stripes uh that was kind of a silly little car opal then i got an 86 toyota truck that was my first new car then i got a 75 280z that was uh, actually that's probably the most decent car mm-hmm. that that was probably a keeper if anything was then i had a, a 69 fiat 850 convertible which is uh, we're not talking about the uh, not the spider that that was uh, very common at the day back in the seventies. This was a Fiat eight hundred and fifty, which had an eight hundred and fifty cc motor. Oh my! Four cylinder, just you know, just like a VW practically, mm-hmm. pretty, really weak. But it sure was fun over there on the coast uh, in Marin County to go out there and put the top down. And hey, with the top down, you're everything's okay and after that i got a 95 ford aerostar which was sort of a rolling locker room when i was into uh (laughs) athletics a lot yes yes. eventually i got another new car was a mercedes a c320 so it was a c-class with had the six cylinder in it so that was actually a pretty that's a pretty fast car then i got my dad's bug and then currently i have a uh, subaru outback so i have a bunch of you know sort of non-memorable cars well, the Deere family, I remember when my, my I was about 16 or 17, my parents went on vacation and my dad had saved and researched and they went, they went to Germany and they bought a Mercedes-Benz 240 diesel. Now it was a very pedestrian car, but at 1973, that was a kind of a hot car for, for a sedan. Noisy, stinky. Noisy, stinky, uh, ping, 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 ping when it starts up. And, but when I was 17 and got to drive it, now that was, I thought I was really... Uh, you know, hot guy in town, and it was so much fun. Uh, and then later on, I bought um, uh, a used Mercedes for a while, and it turned out to be a, a real pain. But to drive your dad, to, that was the first, now, quote-unquote, luxury car. It wouldn't be considered a luxury car now, but that was fun to drive at 17 when, you know, with beautiful leather seats and just a nice sedan. That And, and not that many people, I have to hand it to my dad, he, he it was diesel, and at that time, you know, I don't think you really saw that many diesels in, in, in the U.S., and, and particularly the ones that they were so noisy. Um, but they had that for, for a long time, and the rules were different then. I think you could, if I remember correctly, you could drive the car 500 miles in Europe, and then they would ship it over to you, and it, it would come over as a used car, and it was quite a, quite a break on, on the cost of shipping the car. Hadn't heard that. Yeah. I, what I did hear was how hard it was to get gas, though. You had to go to the truck stops. You had to go to the truck stops, that's right. That wouldn't be fun. Or... My dad was ahead of his time in that regard. Um, but uh, it, that was a real, a real nice car to, to drive. And like like you, I had um, a, see, I have a Subaru now. I, that was one of the smartest cars I ever bought. Was a Subaru Legacy wagon, and I actually leased it for for four years and took really good care of it. And um, I ended up buying it after the end of the lease. And 
I see the woman I sold it to around town every once in a while, and she still has it. So, um, yeah, the legacy wagon. I remember uh, covering alpine skiing. That's when wagon was an okay word to use. Yeah, when wagon was okay. You, you can't say, you can't uh, say wagon. Subaru wagon now. You yeah. call it an outback. An outback. Or you, and certainly you can't say station wagon. You can't say wagon or station wagon. But in those days, um, Subaru was, I think, the first... Uh, automobile manufacturer I was aware of that, that sponsored athletic teams and they were they had the sponsorship for the U.S. ski team uh, Alpine ski team and I saw you know but Heavenly Valley and Squaw Valley when when those sites used to host events and then some other in Salt Lake City and other venues I saw that you know they had all the equipment on these Subarus and then eventually I saw that Subaru became a sponsor of cycling teams and so you see you know in the mountains of Europe and there's six or eight bikes on, on the top of a Subaru and I thought I've got to have a Subaru and then I learned about the all-wheel drive and asymmetrical drive and what a great system that all-wheel drive. I think people today still don't really get how good that all-wheel drive system is. Well, it works really well in the snow country up in, around Tahoe for me. So yeah. I haven't got it stuck yet. So You go right by. I, people are putting on chains and you go right by. Well, yeah, but there's so many four-wheel drive cars now. But, yeah, yeah anybody who goes in the mountains with, with a two-wheel drive is... They're like uh, off the back there. That's yeah. that, not a good place to be. There's Four-wheel drive is the way to go. Yeah. Um, and are there still four-wheel drive cars, by the way, that you have to stop and put them into four-wheel drive? Is that like some heavy-duty trucks or, or bigger SUVs where you can actually stop and put it into different? Or are they all pretty much all-wheel drive? They're always in. I think most of them are all-wheel drive. Yeah always in or they have elect- electronic uh, okay. hubs and such i'll start the, the worst car i ever had was beautiful when i bought it and it was a sob a, a sob sedan 1995 that's a sob story it was a, it became a sob story it was like people said don't buy that it was 2500 dollars. don't buy that car don't and i drove it and i just loved the way it drove and the seats were comfortable and it was really tight and you get on the highway and people say oh this is a beautiful car and then of course almost immediately well within a few months things started to go wrong with it and the radiator would overheat, this would happen, that happened, and it was pr- probably the worst investment ever. But for a while, I could see where people would really like sobs because it, just, it just had a different way of feeling and driving. And then, yes, it became a sob story. So what about your worst car, do you think? My worst cars were probably the Fiat 850. Just It was gutless wonder. Um, noisy inside, leaked. You name it, it did it. It just was not a good car. But, it, you know, I bought it really used, and it was it had a lot of hard miles on it, I think. And the second worst car I had was that Opel Cadet. Um, I couldn't get that thing to drive straight. It always wanted to pull right. It just wouldn't go down the road straight, uh, which also might have been my problem. I don't know. But, uh, but I, that was my first car that I repainted, so I stripped that thing down to bare metal. Really? And, you did? Uh, yeah. I didn't do the paint shooting, yes. but I did all the, the prep and tore it down to metal, took mm-hmm. all the parts off, and uh, got it ready for paint. And uh, really, it came out really well, but uh, boy, what a job. I'd never do that again. No, I can't imagine that you would. Did, would, did you go to one of the old, that we used to see, Earl Scheid, or one of those places, or did you find a private guy that did no, it? No, I took it to a private guy. Private custom, guy. Nothing, custom. Nothing but the best for that for an <laughs> Opal Cadet. I think I paid one. $79 or some ridiculous, and I did go to Earl Scheib once, and it was a disaster, but I know it was pretty popular for a while. I know my dad went to Earl Scheib on my uh, sister's, her, hers was a 56 Carmen Ghia, and that thing got a Scheib job, and it looked like it. it runs everywhere, runs in the paint. So I, I'm looking through my list, and if I 
had to pick one of the cars that I still like to have, I think it would be my dad's Corvair, because we know a guy in East Sacramento a few years ago we did a video of, Tom Davenport, and he still has that car that he bought from a relative, I believe, and lately it's been out on McKinley Boulevard near near my ho our home, and, and I see it, and I just think of my dad all the time, and he, he wasn't a sports kind of guy, he, he didn't, I never, with, he was more of a businessman guy with a Ford Galaxy or this or that, but never that car, particularly the car that was known as, the, you know, the danger at uh, unsafe at any speed, a Ralph Nader book. But now when you see him, I think, oh, man, I wish we still had that convertible uh, Carmel tan yellowish color on the outside, a red interior. It was just Wow, red interior. He yeah, was he was, was pretty wild was when pretty he bought wild. that one, huh? For a guy who wore Brooks Brothers suits and wingtips, he was a pretty wild guy. So I don't know why he bought that car, but I sure, sure wish I had it. So what car that was either your family's car or your car do you still wish you had? I would like the van, uh, yeah. 58 uh, VW van, camper van. Yeah. My dad, actually, he built the interior, get it, get it and put the interior job in it. And it's just like the ones, similar to the ones you see all the time at the car shows. The old plywood put together, and that's how we went across country. It slept six people. Well, two 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 hippies and three little <laughs> little urchins. Yeah, everybody got along, right? Yeah, it's amazing that you could do that. Yeah, um, and it went to you said you drove it from Sacramento to New York, right? Yeah, and I don't know how long it took. You know, when you're a little kid, I don't know. How, it was probably at least a three week trip, probably. Probably, and it, it, those were uh, fifty five miles an hour. Fifty five miles an hour, and. That wasn't the speed limit. That's about the fastest a van could go. And, and what when it was the camper? What? How did that camp? What was the mechanic? The mechanics of the camper part of it was it? Okay. You're all inside the thing. Okay. But the uh, the, 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 the facing seats would go together, and so that turned into a bed. And then underneath the bed, where your feet would go when it was a table, yeah, became a place to sleep underneath. Wow. And then we had a cot over the front seating area. Yeah. That was for another person. And then, you, then you then they also had uh, bunk beds over the top of the the two lower main beds where you where you would normally be dining. Mm -hmm. So if anybody in the family snored, they would be outcast. Oh, they, they would sleep yeah. outside. Absolutely, <laughs> okay. very tight quarters. <laughs> Can you remember? I know it's a long time ago. When you drive, I've never driven across country, but if we drive across country, and this is. How old were you? So this is in the 60s sometime? 64. 64. So we went to the New York That's World's right. Fair. And so can you remember, Was did you go on Route 66? Did you go, was 80 or 50 built then? I don't even know. Uh, yeah, I think uh, 80 was built and uh, got finished about 1964. Okay. Through, at least through Tahoe. Yeah, and did you guys so camp we, or did you... We camped the whole way. Once in a while, we I think we probably stayed at a Motel 6 uh, yes. if they had those then. But uh, it was always camping, oh. always camp. And we go to, like today, if you drive, I mean, if you go to Texas, I've driven in Texas, you can go 300 miles and see nothing. But I imagine back then going across country, there were just miles and miles of Absolutely open nothing. space. Yep. Nothing. Yep. Like we were, we'd mostly be standing up there in that back open window <laughs> yeah. in the sun and uh, yeah. wind in our face. But, you know, when you're little kids, you love it. You were, you were having the time of your life. Yeah. Um, well, lastly, if, if uh, you know, you reminded me of going to Monterey Auto Week. We, we, I know I reminisce. I'm seeing some of those cars, and I know when we went to the Meekum auctions, there were some very attainable cars. And I've often said that, you know, someday I'm going to buy a, a car for let's say less than ten thousand dollars and kind of be the anti-car guy, just to, just to kind of, I don't know, just to, with somebody in a, in a hot car. Sound like a, a Studebaker man. Yeah, a Studebaker, huh? a Rambler, Rambler American, or. 
just something so simple that it would it would not to attract attention, but not to not attract attention, just to have something simple that like we saw our friend with the uh, 1955 Ford F-150 pickup truck, and we saw him at the, the uh, Concorde and Cocktails, and, and, you know, there was a, a beautiful brand-new Rolls-Royce on the other side of, side of the lawn, and there were Aston Martins, and there were Ferraris, and everybody, the two of us included, turned and saw this guy in his red pickup truck, and it, it got as much attention as anything else that was there. Yeah, that's right. Simple. Simple is cool again. Simple is cool again. And he, like he said, it was... It was what America was. It was ten years after World War II, and um, when he when he shows young people the car, they want to know what it is and and what did he guys want to drive it. And uh, women want to know if he was single. He was seventy four year old guy, and we all got a big chuckle out of that. But that's what I want. I want an Americana car that that uh, is simple, and I could not that I would work on it, but find somebody who could if it needed to be repaired. And and all this new technology is great and all that, and it's fun to drive the new cars, but. Someday I'll have a an old uh, an you, old relic. You sound like you w- might want to buy my '59 Bug, James. <laughs> it was around, Simple uh, as you can get. Yeah, that would be. I'm, I'm looking, or maybe maybe a Volkswagen, uh, the old hatchbacks. I like the what are the four by what do they call them? Four by four hatchbacks. They had type threes, type threes, squarebacks, squarebacks. They had, square squarebacks. They had a, fastback, ones. automatic stick shift. One of one couple of years, right? That was different. That was always uh, that you wouldn't want that one. No, I wouldn't want that one. You're right. Well, I think um, that, that'll do it for now on the second uh, episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. Um, for Bruce Aldrich, I'm James Ray. Thank you for joining us. We welcome comments, and we'll talk to you next week.